Good evening, church. I know y'all few in numbers, but I'm going to need you to get a little bit lively tonight. Y'all know who's standing at the podium. I'm going to need you to wake up. So glad to see you. So glad to see you. Man, uh, my little announcement worked this morning. Didn't nobody, nobody showed up. That's good. That's good. No, I'm, I'm, this is only for the saints. I, lo- I love it. I-, I like seeing you guys here. This-, this is only for those of who are serious about God's word. Not that I'm saying anything about it, people who didn't show up, but I am. <laughs> um, it's no mystery because we-, we already heard the-, the subject text from earlier today. We're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians 4. And uh, I love how God uses the body of believers. As I said this morning, had no idea that my brother Gary, who lives right down the street from me, and we hardly see each other because he's out of town more than he is in town. But that's, that's no excuse. We, we need to do better. I know we do, brother. I appreciate his, his message this morning as he was speaking and talking about the power that we have that's within us. We have the gospel of truth. And I was thinking about my next door neighbor who just moved in. And he mentioned it, you know, a few weeks ago. Well, um, I, I heard you, you, you and the, uh, the, the, the landlord, y- y'all attend the church, same church. I, I think I want to come visit. And his name is Steve. You, you, uh, Lord willing, you guys will get a chance to meet Brother Steve. I ain't going to talk about him too bad. But Brother Steve is a talker. And, and uh, he, he loves, he's an antique guy. And uh, I, he won't mind me saying this. I, I'm getting to know him as he's moved in next door. But uh, he, he likes to pick up knickknacks and he sells things, you know. And I said, brother, if I didn't know any better, I would call you Fred Sanford reincarnated. Every time I pull up to my doorstep, I want to sing the theme song for Fred Sanford. No, y'all don't know anything about that. But when you meet Brother Steve, you understand what I'm saying. And Lord willing, I want to invite him and for him to to see a part of the body. But anyway, our subject topic, the title of my sermon. Uh, does God really see our hurt? Does God really see my hurt? Furthermore, does he see my heart? And as I was preparing for this lesson, man, I'm telling you, God was really working with me in several different ways. And I love how he works and how I've learned to, to slow down and kind of be patient and allow him to use me. Um, but sometimes it's hard, you guys, because, you know, you, you have your day-to-day lives, you're in and out, you're doing, you get busy, um, and you get distracted. And the enemy is busy, and he wants to distract us, disrupt us, d- disturb us, so that we are not on point for really what we're designed to be here for, and that is to share the gospel and bring glory to God. Having said that, I'm going to start right in. And uh, what I'd like to do, since we kind of already went over the, the material this morning, the, the scripture, looking at 2 Corinthians 4, 1 through 18, what, what I want to do is I, I want to kind of take my time and I'm going to go through this. It's not, I'm not, we're not going to be here long, I promise. I, we, we're going to move through this. 
But I want to give you some extracts of some thoughts, some things that came out to me as I was reading through this particular chapter. And I was thinking about it in the aspect of how when Paul was writing to the church of Corinth and what he was encouraging and inspiring them to do in that day and time and them being first uh, century Christians, some of the things that they struggle with. And the fact I, I thought about how Paul had a rapport. He had the ability to speak and to write letters like this to the congregation and to challenge them in certain ways. And he had the ability to do that by the nature of his walk and the fact that he was responsible for, for, you know, um, planting this church and, and he knew and things are getting back to him. I don't know how the word is getting back to him while he's in prison, but word is getting back. And I thought about in modern day terms, what it would it look like for someone that we know, a brother or sister of ours to come back, you know, or write us a letter to the church at Northside, 4545 North Meridian. I've heard these things about you. And here's some things that I want you to look at and do better. I mean, just hearing that, don't, don't let that kind of stir something up in you. you know, how, how many of you, you know, just love to hear critique or feedback? Anybody just love to hear, don't raise your hand, don't raise your hand because you'd be lying if you, if you did. You know, but I, sometimes, you know, hearing feedback or in, you don't necessarily hear it as encouragement. You hear it as a, a, a critique or you're being criticized. But that wasn't Paul's message. What he was wanting to do is to remind them who they were in Christ and understand the special relationship that they had with God and that God had with them. So setting that up, let me get right into it. I said I was going to do this. We're going to do this. Starting um, at verse Uh, Chapter 4, verse number 1. Therefore, (laughs) man, I almost, I I, I can't even do it. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry. Brother Gary helped us out. This ministry. What is this ministry? The ministry of reconciliation. The the ministry of reconciling and, and, and spreading the gospel. We have this ministry. Do not lose heart. This is an encouragement. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. Hmm. What is Paul saying? What is he, what is he speaking? We don't use, we renounce secret and shameful ways. A- anybody from time to time experience Satan wanting to keep you under the veil of secrecy or, or to put some shame on you in some kind of way and to use that shame to neutralize you so that you don't feel confident in sharing the gospel, sharing your story, sharing what God has done for you, with you, and through you. Satan is a liar and a deceiver. Paul is encouraging them. You want to step away. You want to renounce. I looked up the word renounce. To formally declare one's abandonment of a claim or a right. To reject or to stop 
using secrecy, shame. Stop subscribing. Stop submitting yourself to those things and allowing Satan to keep you ineffective in your ability to share the gospel. Is that all right? Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. Y'all, y'all picking up what I'm laying down here? Okay. More encouragement. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth, setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Sometimes, from time to time, Satan can, can neutralize us by making us feel a certain way about some of the things that we have went through in our life, some of the things that we have been responsible for saying or doing. And Satan will attempt to use that to keep us in darkness, to keep us away from truth. But we have freedom in truth. When we look at the word and we look at scripture, it encourages us to commend ourselves to everyone's conscience, to be in the open. Now, I'm not saying you need to share everything that you went through with everybody because everybody don't really care to use what they know about you for heavenly good. We have to be discerning. I'm going to keep going. We're going to skip down to verse 7. Well, no, no, no. Let's start at 6. For God said, let light shine out of darkness. He made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. We're going to talk about that glory, but understanding God's glory, that God's light, it's accessible to us. It's within us. God has placed that when we put Christ on, most of us have been baptized into Christ. And that's a beautiful thing. When we really understand who we are in Christ because of what that afforded us when we came up out of that watery grave of baptism. Verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Hmm. Jars of clay. Jars of clay. Fragile vessels. If you, if you ever had a, a jar of clay, it, it could easily be broken. It can easily be damaged, scarred up, scratched up. We are fragile vessels. But it's not about our external experience. It's not about our strength and our might and our ability to be durable and take on the cares and, and the troubles of this where, world. It's more about what we contain within God's light, God's glory. Verse 8, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. What is Paul saying? What What is he telling? He's saying, look, 
Yeah, I know you're going to go through some hardships. You're going to go through some difficult times. You're going to go through some times where people are going to talk about you. Some people are going to mistreat you. They're not going to understand. And it's going to be some brothers and sisters in Christ that you are right here in the city of Corinth, in the city of Wichita, attending church with. And sometimes people are going to misunderstand, misuse, and could potentially abuse. But understand this. God's all-surpassing power is within us. I think you guys kind of get the gist of where I'm going with this. And, and so I want to I fast forward and I want to offer this thought. You know, some of us have suffered through some gruesome and difficult circumstances. Some of us as parents, we've had teens who... You know, they get of a certain age and they want to tell us that, you know, they're grown and it's time for them to be on their own. And they want to tell you how the cow ate the cabbage, you know, that your rules that you have set forth in your household are not up to their standards. I'm not looking at you, teens. I know none of you would do that. I know none of you sitting here. If you sitting here, you, you don't have that kind of spirit and attitude. But some, you know, of our young people do. Some of us have been or are in, have been or are in, or have come from being in relationships where we fear that our spouse is not as faithful or as trustworthy or as transparent or as honest as what we would like for them to be. Yeah, I'm saying it. Y'all hear me? Don't act like you <laughs> you don't know. Hey, you, you've been here. If you've been, if any of you have been married over 10, 12 years, sometimes it don't even take that long. You know what I'm talking about. And Satan tr- attempts to use that to neutralize our testimony and our walk as believers. Some of us, as brothers and sisters in, of Christ, in Christ, we've been in situations where Individuals who we thought were very spiritually mature, very spiritually gifted. Sometimes those individuals that we put up on idols, they have a tendency to show you their worldliness more than their saintliness. And because you assumed that this was going to be a transaction that was going to be uplifting and upbuilding, and you had an expectation that just because this person has been attending church for X amount of years, that they should know better. They shouldn't talk to you in such a way. They shouldn't say certain things about you. But no, my brother and sister, sometimes <laughs> Satan seeks to attack right here in the pew next to you. Sometimes Satan seems to want to attack in the midst of your marital relationship, in your relationship between your kids and that frustrating, you know, time when when you're going back and forth and Satan is wanting you to lose your cool and for you to show more of your worldly side versus your saintly side. Yeah, sometimes we go through circumstances and situations. Personal, I'll let it in. Um, Carla said, don't, don't be talking about me. Don't be, don't be telling my business now. No, she didn't say that. That's me. But I'll share this with you. Carla, we've been married how many years now? Say it loud. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> she said, don't you be putting me on the spot like that. 30, 
How long? 34, 33? Where are we going? But in that time frame, it ain't always been good, y'all. I remember in those early years, you know, we, we, we've tended a lot of couples retreats, a lot of marriage retreats. And one, one particular time, this, they talked about, you know, how their marriage uh, went from bad to good to great to service. And, you know, you would like to hope that your, your marital relationship stays on that trajectory from bad to good to great. Carla and I started out, it, it, it was dog ugly. <laughs> it was one ugly baby. <laughs> <laughs> in them early days, you know, you, you ever so, see somebody, y'all heard me say this before, somebody, you know, you, you know that, that child is ugly. You don't call them ugly, you say that baby is precious. Oh, they so precious. That's a, you know, euphemism, another way to say that's an ugly baby. Our marital relationship was ugly, but God stepped in. And we went from ugly to bad, from bad back to ugly, from bad to good, from good to bad. From good to great, and thank God we're in the service mode now, where God is using us to serve and to give back and to share. Hey, trouble won't last always. It won't always be this difficult if you give it to God and allow God to show you what he wants to use, what Satan tried to attempt to take away from you, God wants to use for kingdom purposes. Yeah, we, we sometimes go through a lot of difficult circumstances as brothers and sisters in Christ. But here's the thought, and then I'm, I'm coming to the close. What if God desires to use our hurt? What if God desires to use our hurt to heal our hearts. How would we know the power of God's ability to reconcile, to heal, if we've never went through periods of brokenness? If that brother or sister never talked bad about you, or never misquoted you, or never whispered behind your back, how would you learn and know the power of the Spirit. Sometimes God allows us to go through things for the sake of us understanding what he's placed in us. We're jars of clay. Yes, we're fragile creatures. But God has placed some very significant things inside of us. Some of us have the gift of ministry, the gift of encouragement, the gift of speaking, the gift of singing, the gift of walking alongside another brother and sister when they have lost someone very near and dear to them. How would we know the power of Christ and his ability to lead and guide us if we don't go through moments where our hearts hurt? Well, our hearts ache. Three quick points or takeaways. These are just some takeaways that I, I took away from this particular passage. And I hope these takeaways are something that you can take with you and add to your day-to-day living. 
Point number one, take away. Renounce secrets, shame, blame, and guilt. Renounce, give up, lay them at Jesus' feet. The secrecy, the shame, the blame, and guilt. Do you guys not know that Satan does some of his greatest work under the veil of secrecy and isolation? He wants to corner you and make you feel like you're the only one who's going through what you're going through. And he wants to do that in such a way that you don't dare walk toward light, that you don't dare share some of your concerns with brothers and sisters in Christ who you know can get a prayer through. Satan wants to neutralize you in such a way that you don't see the body as a place where you could be healed. And God could use somebody right beside you just like Satan can. And here's the thing that we sometimes forget as baptized believers. Satan has already been defeated. He has no power other than that which we give him when, 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 when we don't understand who we are in Christ. So we need to renounce and let go of those secret. Man, it's, I struggle sometimes. And I ain't going to share your business, you know. It's not, I, I, some people see me as the counselor, as a therapist. Man, take that off. I, I, I could care less about a title. First, see me as your brother in Christ. First and foremost, that's what we are called to be one another. You, you, you have a gift or a talent in doing some of you electrician, some of you in the oil, some of you in teaching, administration, some of you in the banking. That, that, that don't mean nothing unless we first understand who we are in Christ and understand that this is the body and God wants to use us to grow one another for the sake of bringing him glory. Let go of the shame, the guilt. Verse 8 says, yes, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed. Sometimes we're confused, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. How is that possible? Because you recognize who you are in Christ. You recognize what's inside the vessel and you don't overreact to the things that are seeking to attack. Your jar of clay. Is that all right? Is that okay? Number two. Know who you are in Christ. (laughs) Know who you are in Christ and what God has given you and what God has called you to and what God is desiring to do in, with, and through you. When you're going through hardships, when you're going through trials and tribulations, stop, do some self-examination. And say, God, what is it that you are wanting me to understand as I'm in the midst of this particular issue or circumstance? What is it that you're wanting to reveal to me like only you can? What is it that I'm doing, saying, thinking that's getting in the way of that revelation coming to me? Because whatever it is, Lord, remove it from me so that I can receive what it is that you have for me in order so that I can go out. And I can tell people how you've taken me from bad to good to great. And now I desire to serve by sharing my story. 
Not everybody wants to hear your story. That's that's an art and a thing in of itself. Stealing yourself and asking God, God, bring to me who it is that needs to hear my story, who I need to walk alongside and encourage because they feel the brokenness that I used to feel when I was there in that place, in that space. God, who is it that you want for me to share? Know who you are in Christ. Verse 10 says, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death. Carry around with you the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. Carry it around in your vessel, in your jar. Make it readily accessible, just like your iPhone or your iPad. Be able to call up at any given time your story, your redemption story, what God has done in and with and through you. Be willing to share it because you never know who God is going to send your way. Because he knows and understands that you've put aside worrying about tomorrow. You've put aside being frustrated because this brother, this sister is giving you the stank eye and don't really want to look at you eye to eye because they know they treated you in some kind of way. So you walking around with some kind of stuff inside of you that is not of God. Die to it. Renounce it. Lay it at the cross. Lay it at Jesus' feet. Because if you don't, then you're the enemy, the adversary, can use it against you to bring an accusation against you. Access your advocate, Jesus Christ. Jesus is our advocate. Tell him all. Tell, tell it all. Just tell it all. He can handle it. And furthermore, it'll relieve you of some worry, of some shame, some blame, and some guilt. There's nothing like coming up. Can you remember? And our brother took us this. Remember coming out of that watery grave of baptism. A new creature in Christ. All the old stuff is left behind. You're a new woman, a new man. Believe it. Receive it. Breathe it. Behave it. Because you're a child of the living king. Is that all right? Know who you are in Christ. Point number three, last point. Told you I wouldn't be long. We almost done. It's 532. Last point. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. Not despaired. Not fearful. Not caught up in fear. Not caught up in worry, but be encouraged. What do you have to be encouraged about? The light that God has given you. The power of Jesus Christ that is accessible to you. Be encouraged. Sometimes it's not about blaming somebody else. Sometimes it's not the elder's fault. Sometimes it's not the brother, your wife's fault. You need to access the ability to be encouraged, to know that this season, this thing that you're going through is just a test. And guess what? The battle has already been won. 
Sometimes we just need, we need to remind ourselves, we need to center ourselves, we need to examine ourselves and understand what we have to be encouraged about. I love listening to music. I love singing songs. I kind of grew up in a musical family, so to speak. There's a gospel song, Be Encouraged. (laughs) Sometimes in life, you need to speak over yourself. Sometimes in life, you need to be encouraged for the test. No matter what comes your way, just know and understand that God is, God will, and he can. The last few verses of this chapter. Verse 16, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. You guys, and we are. We only have a short amount of time here. We're wasting away. <laughs> we have, it, just a blimp. We are inside of eternity. eternity it, before we came, but we just a blip. We're wasting away. Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. That is, if you know who you are in Christ and you know how to access that which is within the light. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So fix your eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. Hmm. Fix your eyes. Not on what the world or what Satan wants to bring your way. But understand that when Jesus left, he said, I'm going to send you. My father in heaven is going to send you a comforter, the Holy Spirit that will lead you and guide you in all things. (laughs) Some of y'all don't know how to access the Holy Spirit, you know. When you're going through trials, you're going through tribulations, act like you know that there is a spirit that seeks to lead you and guide you in all things. Hmm. Does God really see my hurt? Does he hear? Does he see my hurt and does he hear my heart? Absolutely. God not only sees your hurt, He's carrying you through that hurt in order that you can receive the healed heart. And he wants you to experience those things and experience him carrying you through those things so that you have a story to tell, a God to glorify. (laughs) And sometimes... We do. We just need to be still and we need to have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about our struggles. He'll hear our faintest cry. Our God will answer by and by. That's the message. I hope it's touched you in a way that you can understand who you are in Christ what it is that God wants to do in, with, and through you. And I hope this is a message where you saw that it's not about Will stepping on toes. It's not about Gary Brown stepping on toes. It wasn't about Paul, 
the apostle stepping on. What it's about is encouraging us to be the God-centered, God-breathed extension of Jesus Christ. He came, he saw, he suffered, and he gave us an example. What's your story? What's your opportunity to share with someone who is going through a difficult time? Just how good it is to have, as we sung earlier, blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. <laughs> oh, with a foretaste of glory and divine. That's all I have. If you would, let's bow in prayer. Dear Father, we come this evening thanking you to God for your son for the sacrifice that he paid on the cross to God and for the opportunity to God for us to be reconciled to you. God, we pray and we offer ourselves up to you, to God, in such a way that we're asking that you would reveal to us that specialness that you've placed inside of this jar, this clay, dear God. Pour, may your spirit pour out, dear God, on those you send our way. Give us, dear God, the wisdom, the courage, and the appetite and the desire to search and seek ye first the kingdom of God, knowing that all these other things will be added. We love you. We praise you. We're so grateful. We're thankful to God. Thankful. We have an attitude of gratitude because we know that that is the gateway of you using us to God. We want to be thankful for the things that you've already given us. Your word to God, the, your, your son, the Holy Spirit. We want to be grateful and thankful because we know that as we are grateful and thankful for what you're doing in, with, and through us, you're preparing us and equipping us and growing our light in order so that we can shine to a dark world. Lord, we love you. We thank you. It's in your son Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.